Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 23, Bilingual Sewing, recorded on October 7th, 2014. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, daughter. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was thinking the other day that people in my age range, which is to say ancient, we sometimes say, oh, it's difficult to make friends at this age. But I think when you're really interested in something, like, for example, you have craft, you keep making new friends. And I've noticed, I'm quite impressed that you managed to keep them, even though they may be scattered all over the world. I thought you were going to say, I'm quite impressed you managed to keep them even after they talk to you. Well, even after they know you, it is amazing. (laughs) Anyway, yes, it's true, and that's I know that you're talking about that because I recently had my friend um, Birgit was here from the Netherlands, and she was teaching a class with my friend Natalie, who's originally from Germany, but who moved to Jersey City about a year ago, but we became friends many years ago when she lived in Germany, and we were joined by our fourth friend, Jen Mason, who lives in Boston, and it's amazing considering how scattered we are and how uh, we are of all very different ages and different places in our lives and different you know jobs and stuff, but we all come together around art and we manage to get together and I think it is something that's kind of amazing it's a connecting point for lots of people and I know whenever you plan to go somewhere there's always somebody that you've connected with through your work to call yeah well I think crafty people are the most welcoming people because they just want to make things with you you know they just want (laughs) to hang out and make things so you know what could be bad about that the only thing is I wish I knew more people who were bakers I feel like that would be an even better set of friends to have because then you'd always have cookies that sounds like that's a good point there you go next career baking the heck with the art let's get something to eat (laughs) well there you go baking and cooking is a kind of art it's true Anyway, speaking of crafty friends, um, our guest today is Vanessa Vargas Wilson, who's someone who I met through my work. Um, and she is best known as the Crafty Gemini. She's a former law professor who chose to pursue a YouTube career instead. She's fluent in English and Spanish, and I happen to know she does tutorials in both, which I think is insane, and we're going to talk about that amazing accomplishment. (laughs) Um, And she currently lives outside of Gainesville, Florida, with her husband, two kids, and I believe it's very outside Gainesville, Florida, because she's got a bunch of farm animals on a five-acre organic homestead. So, Vanessa, welcome. Hey, Julie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I have to say, so these are these are words that a New Yorker doesn't quite know how to understand. Five-acre organic homestead. Listen, what is that? I was born in New York and I grew up in Miami. I had no idea about this either. Um, but once my husband and I started having kids, you know, you kind of start changing your mindset and what you want for your kids. You're like bringing human beings into this world. And we went to visit my husband's family who live like in the middle of absolutely nowhere, Mississippi. And we were like, we like it out here. <laughs> we're like, it's so quiet. We can just put the baby out on a, on a quilt and he can just crawl around and you see hawks and eagles. And we were like, yeah, I think we want this. You know, I think we want to do this. And so I have we... to say, I went to the middle of nowhere, <laughs> Mississippi this summer. And I liked it too, because they give you a biscuits and gravy for breakfast. Oh, Julie. <laughs> yep. There is good food in the South. You know that. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, so that's how we started. Then we just started looking at properties. At first, we considered moving to Mississippi, but then we were like, wait a minute. We have all this country and farmland and stuff out here, too, where we live, you know? So that's what we did. We bought five acres and 
got on YouTube and started figuring things out. How do you raise chickens? How do you get chickens? What do you do with chickens? <laughs> so wait, are you saying that you learned all of the sort of animal, is it called, hus- I don't know, is animal husbandry? husbandry. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. So all the animal husbandry from YouTube? Um, yeah. They have like humane ways to butcher chickens and how to do everything. And I mean, the whole nine, everything. Wow. I mean, I'm just the same way that I teach people stuff on YouTube, which is crazy. You know, it's so fun. Uh, I learn from everybody. All kind of stuff, gardening, organic gardening, how to build raised beds, how to do this, how to start your seedlings, how to just like get rid of garden pests organically, just everything on YouTube, girl. That's amazing. (laughs) And do you Mm -hmm. take care of the whole five acre uh, property by yourselves? Well, yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. Five acres is, girl, you're from New York. Five acres is not that much. Out here, when we first got it, we're like, we bought a farm. And then when you talk to people that are from out here, they're like, how many acres? And we're like five. And they like laugh in your face. They're like, oh, I live on 180 acres. I'm like, no, no, no. Now that's like a a portion of the state. This is like huge for us, you know? See, I'm like, I have have 600 square feet. That's a big apartment. uh uh-uh. No, 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 no. I can't go back to those days. (laughs) No way. So yeah, tell so- me a little bit about how your um, homestead is set up because I know that your um, the YouTube portion of your life is a business, um, mm-hmm. but you also obviously are raising animals and kids and yeah. <laughs> um, vegetables and whatever else. Like how does how the whole yeah. place set up? Well, I mean, we do little by little. People think you have a homestead and they automatically assume, you know, I don't go to the grocery store. I grow everything. No, I wish, you know, we're getting there. We've only been living out here for about three years now. And so we just do a little bit, you know, every season, plant a garden every season, try to make it a little bit bigger, see what we can learn, make, uh, you know, correct mistakes that we did the season before that. And then just easy things. I mean, there's a lot of animals that you could have out here that would be a lot more work to handle, but um, we have a couple goats, like 25, 30 chickens or something. We used to have like 11 ducks, but I gave some away. We have like four now. And I mean, they really all free range. So they do their own thing, you know, just like if they were out in nature. We don't have to do much. So you don't, you don't, I, there's a stupid urban question. You don't lose them. They don't wander away. Oh, so yeah, that's something that people even that live out in the country always ask because of predators. You know, we have a lot of wild animals and stuff out here, coyotes and even Florida panthers and stuff, bobcats. But I have three dogs that are also free range all day. And so, um, one of them, we got her as a puppy, and the other one, we got him as, like, a five-week-old puppy, and he's a pit bull, and he loves to hunt things, so, like, nothing will get anywhere near my chickens, because even at nighttime, normally people that live out in the country like that and have chickens or any type of animals and birds, they put them up at night, like, in a coop, you know, so they're protected, but my chickens, I built them a huge coop, and they refuse to go in there, so they sleep all around, and so the the dogs keep everything away. So, I mean, you'll wake up in the morning and find a dead possum, a dead raccoon, a dead, you know, they don't, nothing touches my chickens out here. And then what I also do, because you have hawks as well that fly overhead and will try to snatch up a chicken, um, is that I get uh, what they call dual um, heavy breed chickens or dual purpose chickens, which means that they basically grow to be big enough to where uh, you can eat them like they'd be a good meat chicken, but they also lay eggs. And so they're usually bigger. Sometimes they even get bigger than the hawks themselves. So most of the times they won't even bother to come down and try and snatch them up. And did you, I mean, how did you figure that out? Is that a YouTube thing that you figured out? YouTube, that? baby, YouTube. That and then like like a chicken <laughs> hatchery forums, like backyard chicken websites and stuff. You just wow. like read the posts and the comments and the questions. And then underneath you read the, the answers. You know, I know it'll be people that have lived on a farm for 50 years answering the questions. So they have all kind of like little insider tips and tricks and, you know. 
The internet is amazing. It is. It's ridiculous. That's why I'm like, dude, anything you want to learn, Google it, YouTube it. You're, you, know, you can find it. Chickens are very chic right now. Martha mm -hmm. Stewart is always on about her chickens. Oh, yeah. So many city ordinances now with this whole like, you know, it's kind of like younger generation really pushing for like local food, farm to table type of thing. A lot of city ordinances now are getting passed to where they are allowing even people in regular, you know, suburban neighborhoods and stuff to keep chickens. In my, uh, in, in Gainesville nearby, they changed it. I think they used to allow you to have up to four chickens. You can't have roosters, of course, because, you know, the noise bothers neighbors and stuff. But for eggs, they could have up to four chickens. And recently they passed it. They can have now up to 10 because people were like, the chickens lay one egg a day. And four eggs a day is not enough to feed a family of four, you know? So they just, the people, the local community, they got it changed to where people can have up to 10 chickens in a regular backyard. Can you imagine? <laughs> All right, Julie, chickens on your terrace. I was going to say, you got a backyard, mom. You can put them out by the uh, pool there. No, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And have you ever found any um, YouTube videos that have led you astray or have they always been pretty spot on? I mean, you know, it's kind of hit or miss with YouTube because it's, there's no filter to tell you like, this is a great video, this is not. So you're just going off of the keywords and just really searching, trying to find. I mean, when you're doing things like that, it's a matter of watching 25 different videos. And most of the time what I do is I watch, let's say, 20 videos and I will grab little bits and pieces from each one that kind of makes sense to me or like my setup is not really like theirs. No, we don't do this. We don't have that type of breed. You know, you just kind of go nitpicking the stuff and it's just like a ton of information. Then you're able to pick up what you want, what applies to you and what you think would work for you and try it out. And that's what I do really. You know, I sort of approach it the same way with uh, crafty stuff, which is like mm -hmm. if I'm trying to find out about a new supply, like I'll watch bits and pieces of a whole bunch of different videos and then take away what I think is useful or works. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's how a lot of, people work on YouTube, you know, because I mean, Lord knows you can't just watch one video and be like, oh, let me just run with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Although I think the thing is like, that's why when you find someone whose work you really like or mm -hmm. who you really trust that you stick with them because then you don't have to watch 20 videos. You just Absolutely. watch the one. And that's what I hope that my subscribers do for me. Sometimes I'm looking for something and I can't find it. And my husband is looking at me. He'll be like, "Why? what's what's the problem? And I'm like, I'm looking for the crafty Gemini of this. You know, I'm like, I'm looking for the person who's going to break it down like I do. Super step-by-step, -step, thorough instruction. You know, I'm like, and I can't find them. <laughs> Well, I think that's the other really cool thing about the internet, which is like for every learning style, there's somebody, hopefully, there's, mm -hmm. there is somebody out there. Like if you're a person who wants that like super thorough super breakdown detailed. of yeah. everything, if you're someone who just wants a superficial quick look, if you're someone who, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I think that's one of the neat things. It's like whatever flavor profile you happen to have, there's somebody there for you. So so let's talk a little bit about YouTube, but I'm not going to get away from the homestead because I'm so fascinated. I want to talk <laughs> Come more on about down it. for a visit. Listen, we have camp nights where we friends and like my 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 kids play group friends and stuff. They come with their parents. They pitch a tent in our backyard. So it's camping, but not really camping because you can come in my house and use the bathroom, you know, and we do bonfires. I make marshmallows and the whole s'mores and we cook out there and the kids spend all night listening to deer and owls and it's really fun. I'm sorry. If I had to listen to deers and owl and be a deer oh, and owl and be in a tent, on. I would be scared out of Girl, my in mind. In my house, in my yard, this is like the best. It's camping, but not really. You know, it's not like Julie, glamping, but she it's has like the you have watch a house. dogs to protect oh, yeah. you. I'd be more scared of the pit bull. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that you said that there are uh, Florida please. panthers. Listen, those pit bulls. I have one that's a full pit and one half, and they're angels. If my kids decide to go on a nature walk out back, like two, three acres back. 
The baby pit bull, he's not even a year old. He will come out of nowhere and follow them right by their side. He protects them, takes care of them no matter what. How and old people are like, kids? Oh, three and five. Wow. That's a lot. That's a handful. Are you homeschooling? Oh, yes, I am. Wow. Pray, pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, but it's so much fun too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so when you're homeschooling little kids and you're doing, because my, my memory of preschool and like kindergarten and stuff is really that it's just about sort of play and learning to get along with other people and share and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what we do. You know, I mean, we call it homeschooling, but it's just, I mean, obviously for the three-year-old, it's just life, you know, her Mm -hmm. everyday life. But for the five-year-old, he's, I guess, starting kindergarten, but we really like homeschool kind of unschool. Have you heard of unschooling? I have not. No. I'm interested. Yeah, it's like the kids do whatever they want. <laughs> it's like child-led learning, you know? So like he wakes up one day, he's like, I want to learn about snakes. Well, okay, let's learn about snakes. You know, so I don't actually sit him down and be like, these are your ABCs. Like my son was not into ABCs forever. Like when he was two, he loved it. And then he was like four years old and he didn't even know his letters and he didn't even care for it. Then one day he was just like, I want to read this book. Tell me the letters and the sounds and we'll read it. And he read a book, you know, and I was like, perfect. So it's kind of just like going at their pace, what they want to do. And we just let them do whatever they want. So I don't really follow like a set curriculum. If I find something that's a fun craft or something we can do outside and being out in nature, you know, it's like education all day. Um, So we kind of just, you know, play and teach them new stuff as we do the things that we normally do anyways. That's interesting. You know, I, there's an account on Instagram that I love called Humans of New York and huh? he goes around and he interviews people, um, you know, and just asks them questions. Then he posts sort of like a portrait of them with some interesting yeah. or revealing text about them. And there was one of a, mm-hmm. a man and his son today. And he said, and the text below it, and I'm completely paraphrasing, obviously, is something like, um, I want to I wanna learn things because of him. Like, I want to be able to sit at this pond, and when he asks me about the duck, I want to be able to tell him what kind of duck it is. And I want to, yeah. you, you know, be able to answer his questions about why this is happening. Like, he makes me want to learn things. And it's an, uh-huh. it's an in, it was a very, it struck me, um, you know, that here's a, a he looks like a very rough and tumble guy sort of in the photo. And, but he, for this little kid, like wants yeah. this knowledge, wants to be able to pass mm-hmm. on the information that the kid wants. That's exact. And that's what I tell people. That's like my goal. Like I just love to learn and I always have. So I'm like, I want to learn as much as I can about as much as I can and just pass that on to my kids, you know? So is your goal with the homestead and the homeschooling and everything, is it to be completely self-sufficient at some point in the future or is it just yes. to sort of like not not tax the environment or sort of, you know what I mean? Like what? No, we'd, we'd like to be completely self-sufficient eventually. Yeah, that would be great. And do you have a plan? I mean, I don't know. Does that take 10 years? Does that take like 50 years to do? Like how long <sighs> Who knows, take? girl? And here in Florida, it's really hard to even to get off the grid. It's not very friendly to people that are trying to be off the grid and stuff like that, you know. But I mean, as close as we can get to it, we'll take it, you know. The more food that I can raise and grow for myself and my kids, the better. I try to, you know, get stuff and preserve food. I'm just like really into like food preservation, canning, dehydrating, making. I just like to make stuff, you know, make my own stuff. And you're saving money and you're teaching kids life skills, you know, because if anything goes down, like out here, we get deer, wild turkey and everything, you know, in the city, if there's no food in the stores. Where are you going to get food from? You know, my friends are like, we're going out there. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I think like as a parent, the way I see it is like, if something were to happen to me, I want to make sure that my kids would be able to take care of themselves if nobody can take care of them. You know, like it's just like putting all these things in their hands and giving them life skills to where I know like they have the skills to like make it on their own if they have to. 
So they're um, they're really little, but do do they participate in like the oh, daily everything. chores? Everything. I guess of the of house. The homestead? Yes. Yes, everything. They feed the chickens. They feed their ducks. We just got a batch of chicks um, this week. We have 21 new chickens that are going to be like the broiler hens. You know, we have egg layer hens, and then we get ones that are for meat. And the kids are in charge of changing out their water, changing out their food. We got to clean out the thing for the chicks, make sure the heat lamp is on, the whole nine. And they're there when I butcher them and when they eat them and when they cook them, the whole nine. Interesting. And do they treat the animals like pets or do they understand that they're a food source? You know, I don't. A lot of people, even people that live out here in the country, people say that they're like, oh, we never name the animals that we eat. I don't we don't see it like that. We give all the animals that we have here, whether they're pets or they're going to be eaten eventually or another animal eats them, whatever it is. We try to give them all the best life that we can. I mean, all my animals free range 24 seven. They have not seen a cage. They're never enclosed. They do whatever they want. And then for us, it's like a sacrifice. Like we gave you this great, fabulous life. You do whatever you want. And now you're sacrificing, you know, you're giving up your life for us to eat healthy, clean meat. And, um, and I butcher them myself because my husband says, he says he's the nurturer and I'm the butcher because he can't do it. <laughs> so I'm like, it's, I mean, it's, not, he takes care of them like they are his children. Okay. Wow. Like the goats. I mean, he's like, they need to have more variety. So he'll like trek three acres back and cut out bamboo leaves. And I'm just like, listen, they eat anything <laughs> that's out here. He treats them. I mean, like they're kids, you know? But like for the chickens, I'm like, if this is what I have to do to feed my kids clean meat that I know exactly what's in it, like I'll do it. I don't care, you know? And how did you get the idea to become a homesteader? Did you know somebody who was? Did you? Well, for us, it's like, you know, we were from, my husband's from New Orleans and I'm from Miami. We're from the city. But again, his like grandparents are from the country and my grandparents lived in the country in Dominican Republic. So even though I grew up in the city, like I spent summers there, you know, I mean, I wouldn't partake in stuff, but you'd see chickens running around, you know, they'd harvest the coconuts from the yard. They'd tell you to go outside and grab a couple herbs for some tea, you know, so we, we knew of it. Um, but we didn't know how to do it. It's not like they taught us or we grew up with that stuff. But my mom always did have like a little garden. I mean, she'd plant us like little strawberries and we always had herbs like for different teas and stuff like that. Always had that in in my little backyard in Miami. Speaking of somebody teaching you, I mean, you're you're a uh, crafty sewer extraordinaire. Did, is that something that you were taught by a mother or grandmother or somebody? Uh, actually, yeah. So my second year in law school, I was like super depressed. I hated law school. I never wanted to be an attorney. And so I was looking for a creative outlet. And I had done, I mean, every craft known to man, you know. And then one day I just called my mom and was like, listen, you need to teach me how to sew finally. Because I'd been begging her since I was eight. But my mom came to this country when she moved to New York when she was uh, 13, 14 years old in the 60s. And she worked in the garment industry, cranking out clothing, you know. So since she was a teenager, she worked with a lot of older women. So every morning she'd go in early and like thread their sewing machines. And the lady that ran it uh, really loved her. And she taught her how to use like a hundred and something different industrial sewing machines. And my mom was a machine on the sewing machine. Okay. So we had an industrial sewing machine growing up, but she would never let us get near it because she says she used to be so fast when she worked in New York that she used to sew her fingers under sometimes. And you know, the, the, the machines back in the days didn't have like safety and this and that. And you know, it's just a fast machine that anything that goes through it is going to get stitched, you know? So she was traumatized that that would happen to us. And so she refused. I mean, I'd asked her when I was eight, when I was 10, when I was 13, like every couple of years I'd ask her and she'd be like, no, no, you're not old enough. You're not old enough. So I'm like 22 and I'm like, listen, I'm old enough. I can keep my fingers away from the thing. 
So she just got me like a $10 uh, old 1960 something Singer sewing machine, brought it over to my house and taught me how to thread it. And then I'm like, okay, now what? And she's like, stitch a thousand straight lines. And I'm like, give me a break. I don't got time for this. (laughs) So I just grabbed the old pair of jeans from my closet. It didn't fit anymore. I chopped it up, started making a skirt, and I just went off. I mean, started making a purse from the jeans um, with, you know, with the pockets and everything. Cut a a piece off the side, made the shoulder strap, and I just took off. I just started cutting up stuff and sewing and then getting on the internet and, you know. So is sewing sewing something, it sounds like that just made sense to you. Like you started doing it and your brain was just like, oh, I understand how this works. Yeah, I've always loved math, you know, and when I got to college, I was like, what am I going to do? Be a math teacher? Like, what am I going to do with math? But I've always been really crap. Like, I've always just made stuff with my hands, you know, and there was a point that I was really into like cake decorating because my paternal grandmother did that and she taught me her recipes and stuff. And I thought this is like a recipe I and I can make stuff out of the frosting. It's like art. And then you get to eat it like, hello, you can't beat that, you know. And so then when I found sewing, it was like, dude, you can take a piece of fabric and literally make it into absolutely anything that you would like. Like that, you know, you could do anything with it. That medium to me is like so fluid and flexible. I'm like, no, this is like where it's at. (laughs) You know, like any idea that comes into my head, I can make it out of fabric. So do you ever use like other people's patterns or are you just like, no, I'll figure this out myself? No, no. I use people's patterns all the time. I mean, you know, after you've been doing something for so long, it also, you can get to the point where like you can kind of see something and get an idea and then be like, oh, I can do it myself, you know, just to kind of get the gist of it or maybe the steps and like what order did they put this lining in or that. Um, but sometimes I use people's patterns. Sure. You know, I get frustrated when they're not written well, or I can't really figure it out. And I just, you know, as a teacher myself and as a pattern maker, I'm like, oh, I could have written this like this. It would have made more sense like that. But I can still, you know, figure them out and I can, I still use them and stuff. I come up with stuff. You get ideas off of Pinterest. Um, Things that maybe I have a need for in my house, something maybe that my kids ask for, just all kind of ideas. So tell me a little bit about how you got started um, making YouTube videos. Okay, so this is all my husband's fault. He got me into it. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the drama. When I um, was pregnant with my son, I started making him things, you know, and you're on social media, you post a picture and my friends would be like, oh my God, my sister's having a baby. Can you make me that too? So I was like, well, I'm at home, not working. Okay. You know, I'll do it for a little side money. And then very quickly, I don't know if this happens to you. It probably does, Julie, that as creative people, we're not in the business of uh, cranking out inventory. I'm not trying to make the same thing twice, you know? So yeah, twice, I get three, four, five way times. Oh, too easily to do tell that. me about it. So I'm like, uh, no, I made these cloth diapers. I need to make 10 for my kid. I'm not making 30. Okay. Or a diaper bag. Can you make me another one? I'm like, I made it once. It was cute. I followed this pattern. I like it. I'm not making you one. Sorry. So people would start asking me to make them the same. It was just too much. So my husband's like, well, why don't you teach classes instead? That way, when people tell you, can you make this for me? You tell them, no, you know, I'll teach you. So I started teaching like small group lessons through community education. I did private lessons at home, all that. Well, very quickly, it was everybody wants to learn how to make the exact same project. And I'm like, oh, my God, if I have to teach the same little dress one more time, I'm going to freak out. So then he's like, "Okay, calm down. You know, I'm pregnant and super like annoyed by everything. He's like, let's just videotape you doing it, put it up on YouTube. And when people ask you about that project, you tell them to leave you alone and go watch the YouTube video. So I'm like, dude, you're a genius. I only ever have to make the project one time because it's recorded. And it's so funny because even nowadays, I'll go back to a project that I haven't done in a couple of years. I'll go watch back and watch my own tutorial and be like, oh yeah, okay, thanks. I needed that. You know? (laughs) 
like a refresher because I'm like, I haven't made this in three years, you know? But that's that's how we did it. So I only ever had to make it one time. It was fabulous. And how have your videos evolved over time now that you've been doing it for a while? Well, my husband, we first started off, I mean, we were dead broke, you know? We were having a kid. We didn't have no money. We used just a regular, like, digital camera that we use, like your point-and-shoot camera. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a, a, a card big enough in there, it'll, it'll film a little video. So that's what we used to use. And so I used to have him hold it. And then it'd be like, I'm pointing at an applique piece over here. And he's like filming on the other side of the room. And I'm like, dude, you're fired. Gone. Like there would be like his toes in the picture, his knees. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, you're gone. Goodbye. So I fired him after a couple of videos of that. And then I bought like a $3 tripod. And it was like four inches tall. And I mean, I would always be like, there are people are going to write me and ask me like where in the hell the tripod is because it's like so close, but you still can see both my hands. And I'll tell you my secret. I used to, because it was like a bendable one. Mm-hmm. I used to tuck it into my sports bra and tilt it forward. So it's coming out right from my chest, <laughs> right to where my hands are. And so I stay really stiff with my chest like that and like move my hands and be like, and now we're going to fold this fabric here and you're going to stitch on this edge. Girl, I'm telling you, I did whatever I had to do. And and so I started getting comments. People were like, the camera is so close. Where's the camera? You know, and I'm like, you don't want to know. Trust me. (laughs) And then from there, it's funny because I I posted videos for about two years without ever seeing a dime. Like I didn't even know you could make money on YouTube. It was just like whenever I had a chance or the baby was sleeping, we'd film one. Then people from all over the world would start to write me like, oh, my God, I really love your videos. Can you do one on this? Can you do one on that? And just because people liked it, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'll do it. This is fun. Then one day I came across a video that was talking about a contest on YouTube. They're looking for newcomers, like newbies that have the potential to be the next big thing. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope the deadline hasn't passed. I'm like, this is like made for me. I have to win this. So sure enough, I had four days left to enter the contest. So my husband had sold his car. So he was giving me some money to get a better camera. At the same time, we were like trying to, you know, up the quality of my videos. Uh, and so I bought a new camera, bought some editing software, taught myself in those four days while I filmed that, uh, audition video and I submitted it. And sure enough, I won. I won. I was one of the 25 winners. We got $35,000 each. Wow. From Google. Yeah. It's called YouTube next up. And so they chose 25 winners and I was, I mean, off that list of 25 winners, I was like the second from the bottom up with like the least amount of subscribers. You know, I had like 2000 subscribers or something like I was nobody, you know, but they saw the potential and what I wanted to do with my channel. And sure enough, Google gave me 35 grand. Uh, we, we went to be in, they flew us to New York for a week to the Google offices there. We got to train with like people that are literally millionaires off of YouTube and giving us their tips and tricks on how to build community and fan base and all that on YouTube. And we got the inside scoop from the, the people that do the Google, uh, the YouTube algorithms and stuff and like how to write keywords and titles for your video. I mean, tons, it was awesome training. We got free like equipment from B&H stu- uh, photo uh, in New York. We got, I mean, everybody got new, you know, everybody's like IMAX and new cameras and tripods and lighting kits to, to basically help us boost our channel and, and take it to the next level, you know? And so after that, I was featured in the New York Times on 2020 and, you know, it kind of just took off from there. That's Wonderful. amazing. Yeah, it was really awesome. And, and actually with those $35,000, isn't this crazy that from that video, like from my YouTube channel, I've been able to buy my farm, buy a separate standalone studio, the whole nine. From that 35 grand, we had been looking for property. And after I got that check, I told my husband, I was like, pick the place. <laughs> we got money now. <laughs> That's and so amazing. we bought our little farm and we moved out here, man. My YouTube fans helped me. <laughs> and how long ago was that? Three years ago in 2011. Wow. And how many subscribers do you have now? 
about 154,000 plus. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing business. I, I get about 15, between 1,500 and 2,000 new subscribers every week. Wow. It's really, it's great. It's going so good. So it's growing. Like, mm -hmm. by Lisa Mouse. Now, let's talk about the, because I titled this episode Bilingual Sewing, because I know sure. that you told me that you were doing videos in Spanish and in English. Oh, yes, girl. I can't do them all, but I, ugh, I need to make more. But it's, it's hard. It's a lot. I've tried a few different ways of, like, filming it in English and then voicing it over in Spanish. But for people that speak other languages, you'll know that, um, the same amount of time that it takes me to say something in English does not work for me when I'm saying it in Spanish. Like I can say something in a phrase in English and it'll take me two sentences in Spanish. So the footage as it's timed and edited, you know, like I need more time to cram it in. So it's mm. the timing is off. It's, it's hard. But I, uh, Sherwin Williams is one of my sponsors and they recently hired me to do some Spanish videos, like DIY painting videos on painting furniture, like featuring their paints. And so I do just those. I do those in Spanish and that's specifically to post on their, uh, they have an swlatino.com website. They're trying to get more Spanish content on there. So those I do specifically just in Spanish. Now, I know there's a whole Latino blogging and social media mafia yeah. out there. There are conferences. There are oh, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Do you get involved with all of that? Not as much as the rest of the people do. But I, I mean, I'm on all the newsletters. I see all the stuff that's going on, different opportunities. And I was a speaker at one that's called Hispanicize. It mm -hmm. was um, in the spring in Miami, and I was a speaker on that. And Kathy Cano Murillo, the crafty chica, was there too. Um, and actually, when we were in Denver filming those scanning cup videos with you, Julie, remember when we met? Yeah. Um, she had told me about all the different Latina blogger website and all this and that. And so I saw her at that conference this year. So I did speak at that one. But it's just a whole nother world. Most of the people, though, there that I met that were bloggers, they do – they post in English or in Spanish or Spanglish, but it's really focused on their culture, you know, whether it be food, Latina moms, like whatever it is, it's like really focused on Latina stuff. And that's since that's not really what I do. Like, I'm just like a Latina that happens to do a ton of other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was going to say, I feel like Kathy um, Conamarillo, Crafty Chica, who you mentioned, like some of her stuff, I guess, is Latina focused. But I feel like she does a lot more just sort of like just general craft. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah definitely. Which is she very does. cool. Okay, so let's mm -hmm. talk about we were you and I before the show were talking a little bit about sort of next steps for your business and some big projects that you have in the works. Yes. So tell us about it. Oh, the biggest one. It's still ongoing. I finally made the move and migrated my blog from Blogger to WordPress. Uh, <laughs> and what kind of a nightmare has that been? Because I would really um, like to move from TypePad to WordPress, but I'm not yeah, sure how to no do it. I have no idea how to use WordPress. I don't find the interface user friendly. It's just because it's so much more customizable than Blogger is. You know, Blogger is super straightforward. You plug in a picture, you put in a link, you put in a video. It's like super easy peasy. You know, it's run by Google and I've been using it for years. So it's so easy to me. So in WordPress, I feel like because it's all this open source, whatever stuff, there's so, I mean, you can customize every dot of that website. It's insanity. Um, so I'm still getting my hands around that and I'm wanting to, you know, I offer some online classes and so I'm, I'm installing a plugin that's going to be like an online classroom built into my website, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so people will basically like log in and have an account there and whatever classes they signed up for, they'll have that. I'm looking into uh, launching a subscription, a paid subscription service in the new year, um, you know, where people will get their own separate private videos. I'm going to do like live chats, question and answer live sessions, tons of different projects and things like that. So I'm looking forward to all these different things. But, you know, I found a really good designer to do the whole migration thing because if you've looked into it, Julie, it's 
pricey. It's pricey <laughs> and it's scary because the internet is. is full of terrible tales of people having lost years of Listen, you know, data. Don't and tell me that. And... Okay. Don't tell me that. Because <laughs> I was just talking to somebody who's, uh, she does polymer clay. Uh, and they've been blogging for ages too. They're kind of like you because you've been in the game since like '05 or something. You were you were blogging or some craziness, you know. But she was just telling me I couldn't believe it when I told her I migrated to to WordPress. She's like, she just migrated the other way from WordPress to Blogger. And I'm like, why in the hell would you do that? And you know what she told me? That her website was hacked three times and they lost everything. I would die. Wow. Oh no. So I'm like, girl, don't tell me that. So she's like, yeah, because it's open source. Um, like all these hackers and like all this drama. I'm like, oh, don't tell me that. So I have to see about how that works because everybody else, like all these conferences, the one I just mentioned, Hispanicized, we talked to people there that are like big time bloggers and people that work for Bing.com and Google. And they were just like WordPress, WordPress. Everybody was pushing WordPress at this conference. So I was like, okay, well this year I need to make that move, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I know I've had so many problems with typepad going down, the service going down recently that I was I remember, like, yeah, I've seen I your posts about that. I have to crazy. get off this, you yeah. know, but yeah, it's scary, it's crazy, uh, who knows? Yeah. But it's, I think it'll be worth it. I mean, that's the thing that I think I is think so interesting so about when you're your own business owner, you have to make, you know, and people don't realize it, but you really have to make, um, not only do you have to like figure out what to do and how to do it. You know, but a lot of times you got to do the work yourself. Yeah. And all and, and take risky moves and not know. And, you know, it's 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 rough, man. I don't we'll see. But I'm, I mean, there's a lot of things that I wanted to have in place, like specifically for the new website, like a like right now on my blog, I have like the tutorials listed and it's just like the text. So you have to like literally read every title to click on the one you want. And I wanted like a gallery of thumbnails, you know? Right. So we're, we're doing that on the new website. So I'm like, that's going to help. Also on Blogger, because it's Blogger, it loads so slow. So in January, I had a designer redesign my whole blog and the graphics were great. It looks super cute, but it takes so long to load that I'm losing mm -hmm. a lot of people. You know, my bounce rate has gone ridiculously high. I'm just like, I got to get out of this. And I need something that's like SEO optimized, you know, right? to make the most out of my views and stuff so we'll see lots of decisions it is to tons make. and tons of decisions so let's talk about um sort of what you thought your business would be and what it has become so i never thought it would be a business to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> it was just for fun it was a hobby and you know what it actually goes back to um in high school i was in the tv in tv production class and i was actually by senior year, I was like executive producer of the morning news that my high school put on. And I had a little sports and entertainment show. So I've always loved the camera. I've always done speaking gigs. You know, I used to recruit for my law school. And, and then I worked as an admissions officer for my college. And I just like to talk in front of people. And I like to teach. So, you know, once you start getting emails from people around the world, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I made this little thing. And they send you pictures. You know, you feel great. It's like, wow, I helped somebody. Great. And I have fun doing it. And I like to do it. And it's it's, I, you know, it's something that comes naturally to me to teach people. So I just kept doing it for fun until I came across that contest and then I won. <laughs> and then your life changed. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute now. You know, they were like calling me like, oh, the New York Times wants to, because they, you know, they featured like the, all the winners, but like the picture was me and like the main thing. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Cause this whole, this whole idea of somebody that's super relatable, like a pregnant mom mm -hmm. who has a law degree, who is like teaching people how to sew on YouTube, you know, it's like super like, wait a minute, what story is this? Um, and so I was like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people out there that really can relate to me and kind of, it's a way for me to show people that like, you can do a ton of stuff. You just have to try and you can learn if you want to learn. 
um, and just try something new, you know, pick up a new hobby. And one of the things that I tell people all the time that's like super rewarding for me is when people email me and not only that they learned or they made a project, that's great. But when people email me to tell me like I just started an Etsy shop because everybody is ordering stuff from me that they've learned to make from my tutorials, like that's great for me. I have tons of military wives that write me. You know, their husbands are away abroad overseas. And so they're bored. They're trying to find something to pass the time. So they find my videos somehow and they start sewing. Then they'll make like a little pillowcase dress for their daughter. They go to church on Sunday and people are like, oh my God, can you make me one? And so I get these emails and people are like, dude, like now I have a little business. So I'm like telling my husband, I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I create jobs. I create <laughs> jobs like for free. Like I teach people these skills and they go out and make a business, you know? And so they're super thankful. They're like, now I can, you know, earn an income even though I'm staying at home. And so that's, it's, that's really rewarding for me. So I love that part of it. That's magical. I noticed that both of you, both of you have taken your own paths, but you've made businesses out of what was a hobby. And I wonder if you have some thoughts, both of you, for other people who may be thinking, how can I turn this hobby into a business? Julie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing that, that I think is often said and is always true, which is the second you turn your hobby into a business, mm -hmm. um, it can suck a lot of the pleasure out yeah. of it. You know, it's like if I make a card for somebody, I really enjoy it. But if you tell me that I have to make, you know, 12 cards in order to stock my shop, I'm going to get grumpy. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a lot of like creating under the gun creating on demand. And I think for me, like the, the biggest thing that I've learned over time, and it has been a lesson that has been learned with plenty of bad experiences along the way, but you know, those things always teach you something is that I have to do the things that really interest me and abandon ship as soon as it's not fun anymore, even if it's a revenue stream, because Life is not worth living at that point, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's one of the things that's part of why I like what I do, because it's not just the things that I'm teaching. It's me, the, you know, like the TV personality, the show personality, the face. So even when I work with companies, I'm like, listen, I pick what I want to do. I don't do exclusivity. I need to like, like the project I'm doing because I can't fake it on camera. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm working with a faux fur or something and I don't care about this. Like I cannot fake it for you. Sorry. So I, I, I love that I can, you know, pick the projects I want to do, do what I want to do, like Julie said. And um, if I don't like it, I actually learned that from you, Julie. <laughs> cannot be afraid to say no. And I always have that in my head. So like when a new opportunity comes up, I'm like, oh, my God, it's so-and-so. I get to work with the, this company, you know. And then I'm like, wait, stop. Or, right, you know, is it worth it? Is it this? Is that? You know, I weigh a few different things and I'm like, Ugh. the people pleaser in me does not want to tell anybody, you know, you, you know. But Julie, a few years back, taught me that you have to be willing to say no. And often, you know, I've used that. And sometimes I tell people no, or like I'll put, like I'll counter offer with something like, no, sorry, this is my minimum or whatever. And they will very quickly come back and like offer you more. And I'm like, oh my God, it works. It works. Yeah, it I works. know. I remember when we talked about it. And like, it is true because you always undervalue yourself and you're afraid that you're going to make somebody angry, you know, know, if you Why? tell them that you're Why worth you more money, that? which is crazy. And I think one of the things that I learn, again, over and over through many rough lessons and bad situations is that um, it's like any relationship. I don't want to be in a romantic relationship with someone who doesn't want me. I don't want to be in a business relationship with someone who doesn't want me and value me, exactly. you know? 
And my husband's always telling me that. He's like, dude, do you know who you are? Like, you're this, you're that, you know? And to me, I'm like, well, what do you think? If I say this much, maybe they won't take, you know? But I'm getting better at that. Now I'm like, here's my agreement. This is my my fee. This is what I charge. Take it or leave it. Goodbye. Yeah, and it's a practice. <laughs> I think I think that's the thing. And my mother is often yelling this at me, which is it's, you know. Not yelling. I'm sorry. Telling. <laughs> telling in a strong voice that I hear as yelling. Um, you know, that that it's... It's that old thing about courage is not the lack of fear. It's doing it even when you are afraid. And I mm -hmm. think she keeps saying to me that, you know, it's not a matter of whether you feel upset or nervous or whatever when you hang up the phone with the person or when you hit send on the email. It's the fact that you've done it. And little by little, you know, when you have enough positive validation come back, then yeah. it's okay. And I also think, I mean, you have kids. And so I can see also how like every project I do, I think, well, this is this many days I have to be away from home, or this is this many days that I can't do the art I want. I have to do the mm -hmm. art somebody else wants. What portion of my life is this person buying? And is it worth it? Exactly. Absolutely. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It I'm is. not going to lie. I sent off a proposal right. today and it like <laughs> I had to close my eyes when I hit the send button. <laughs> then I was like hysterical for like two hours before the person wrote back to say I'll look at it later. And I was oh like, OK. God. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's it's rough. I like it, though. Like I get better at it. I think it helps when they reach out to me. Mm. At that point, I kind of put myself in a position where like I'm not working with you anyways. I've never done anything for you. So here's a fee. If you say no, I wasn't worth working with you anyways. So that kind of is like, OK. I can, you know, take it from there. Well, I always think about like, it's the same thing. And I know you and I have some similar philosophies about teaching, but it's like, I teach the way that I would like to be taught. And the exactly. same thing is true of like, if I reach out to somebody, I'm like, Hey, I wonder if you could do this for me. I am very willing to pay them what they're worth. And I only exactly. reach out to them because I want them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's an interesting thing that I've talked about with a number of people, which is I am so grateful for all the jobs that I took for free. Because yeah. they did teach me. And there is a period of time in your career when you do need those jobs for free. You do need to work your butt off for nothing. You do need to get, you know, So let me ask you, what do you think about, because I feel like people that are more established, whether they be bloggers or whatever kind of, you know, social media personalities or anything, comparing like your status, right, as Julie Faith and Balzer, <laughs> and then to like a new paper crafting blogger who like some company might reach out to. And is going to do the stuff for free. I feel like I get companies that contact me and think that I'm just like a, you know, like there's so many bloggers out there that do it for free. Right. That they look at you like, are you insane? Like you're you're charging? What? And it's like, wait a minute. This is a business. Like what did you think this was that I was just going <laughs> to do you know, it for free? The way I look at it is like this, which is I'm a business, not a person. And I have to separate that. It's really hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, sometimes there are opportunities for free that come along that are worth it because it's mm -hmm. either an awesome marketing opportunity or there's something else or it's a favor for a friend or who knows what it is, right? But then the rest of the time, I kind of feel like, you know what, if you, if you don't see my value, then then it wouldn't matter because you wouldn't see the difference in my product and somebody else's. Do you know what I mean? That's that's true. And I think like it even occurs to me, I got a call from um, or an email and I'm, I'm going to say their name on that from about.com mm -hmm. and they were looking for some scrapbooking videos mm -hmm. and it was like 50 short videos or something that they wanted to record. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they were, it was something like, we'll give you a hundred dollars, yep. you know, and I was, and you know, you have to and obviously then, supply all the content, all the supplies, blah, 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 blah. I was like, are you insane? 
you yeah. know, and I finally, what I said to the woman as politely as possible, is I said, you know, thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, this is my fee. Um, but you know, and when she balked at it, I basically said, but here's my question, which is you're hiring a film crew. You have equipment, you're renting mm -hmm. space, you have your daily salary, whatever that is, you're having paying whatever the editing is. And the question is, why should I make so much less yeah. than anybody else involved? You know, you're the talent. And it's a funny, it's a, it's a delicate balance because you, I, at, le at least I'm always concerned about like, am I being a crazy egomaniac? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or am I being confident in myself? Yeah, and where's exactly. that line? What's mm -hmm. the line between being super diva, separate the green M&Ms out, you know? Yeah. And like, no, 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 I'm worth this. And I think the thing is, again, it comes down to if you only take gigs that you really love and are genuinely enthusiastic and feel like you can do a good job at, then you know you're always going to do good work. Exactly. And then you're always exactly. worth it. Yep. The and times that I feel like I'm not worth it are the times when I'm overbooked, I don't really like what I'm doing, you know, and then I'm like, wow, I'm really not worth it. Mm -hmm. And I actually also, just, sure. sorry, no, well, there's a thing that someone said to you, Julie, which I think you've repeated, which is if some, everyone else works for too little money, it makes it hard for everybody. Yes. It's true. It's true. And that's what my friend, my friend Judy once, when I was at the very beginning, was, and I was sort of in mid-career-ish, I guess. I guess I'm still mid-career. I don't know. Maybe I'm at the beginning of my career. Who knows? It was a couple years ago. Anyway, she said to me, she said, when you need the strength to stand up for getting paid, she said, remember that every job you take for whatever is taking, she said, I support myself this way. You're taking food out of my mouth. And she said, so you can think of me. And it was amazing how when I was thinking about protecting somebody else. Yeah, how you change. Right? How it changed my concept. <laughs> because I was like, well, I can do it for whatever because I'm not worth that much. But Judy's amazing. And so I, for her, I have to stand up for this. You know, I recently did something similar to this. Uh, I am working with a company and I love working with them. They're great, super, I mean, great communication. They pay on time and everything, right? Great. So I tell the girl that, you know, as of Jan, they're talking about working on their budget for the next year. So I tell her, you know, as of January 1st, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I'm increasing my fees um, as of January 1. And my husband's kind of like, well, it's September. Why the hell are you telling them now? You know, and I'm like, well, if they're looking at their budgets, I just want to make sure that if they want me, they could budget in for this, you know. <laughs> and do you know that when I wrote her back, she's like, oh, no problem. Your work is terrific. She's like, we're actually OK with increasing it to your new fee for your next project. So I already got a raise. I was like, damn, wow. just for sending that email. Is that insane or what? That's awesome. And it's proof of, you know, you see, proof of the pudding, exactly. So, so that's, you know, makes me one step closer to being more like you, Julie. Oh, Vanessa, <laughs> flattery will get you everywhere. No, but I mean, I think it is true that it's like you, you sometimes just need to remember that being upfront with somebody and saying like, this is my price doesn't make yeah. you a bad person. And if they mm -hmm. react yep. badly to it, that's their issue, not yours. Exactly. Yeah. That's the hard part too. It is. Know. That's, oh my God, that's the hard part. I mean, part. it's so much easier by email, I think, than in person, which so I'm glad that I do all this stuff via email most of the time or on the phone, you know, but gives me a little bit more confidence. I have more time to gather myself, you know, like, okay, here we go, guys. <laughs> exactly. That's always the thing. You can sound real tough in email. No, this yeah. is it. I'm firm. Uh -huh. final. Yeah. And once you hit send, it's send. You know, like by the time I start kind of like thinking back, well, let me change this line to this. I'm just like, send it. Gone. Who cares? We'll see.
Yeah. Yep. Which is good. And I think, again, like my my goal is, listen, I need to house myself. I need to feed myself. Seriously. I need to do those things, obviously. <laughs> um, but I also need to be happy. And, you know, I'm willing to work my butt off to chase that dream of being able to do those things while being happy. It's an incredible luxury and I'm very grateful for it. But, you know, I, I have tried everything I can to make it happen that way. Yeah. That's what I tell people. I'm like, I making a living, living my life. Yes. I, you know, that's everything I do out here. I teach somebody how to do it. Here it is guys. Well, that's the thing <laughs> that I've always said to people about blogging when they want to start a blog is my advice has always been, it can't be separate from how you live your life. If you're a person who loves like knitting, you know, cookies and tattoos, then your blog has to be about to be. knitting <laughs> cookies and tattoos. Like Absolutely that, that's right. what it has to be about and you don't have a choice. And and I think the thing that's funny is as people, and this was actually a great article my mom sent me recently. Thanks mom. You're welcome. Which is she was, it was about how a lot of home bloggers are getting um, worn out essentially like they're tired of renovating their homes. They're, t you know, like they've been doing it for years and it's like they just can't do another renovation, you know. And I was thinking about how that's one of the like weird things, which is you get, capture a niche audience. But the thing is you have to, I think your blog has to evolve as you do. As your interests yeah. change, your mm -hmm. blog has to evolve with it. And again, some people will leave and I think it's, a, exactly. it's scary, yeah. but you have to accept that. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, you're blogging about stuff that's not really interesting to you. You're talking and teaching about stuff that's not really interesting to you. And so I know that my own struggle has been, like, my life has evolved enormously, you know, since I separated with my husband, since, like, all that kind of stuff happened. And, like, I've been trying to sort of take my blog with me, but it's an interesting thing to try to do to balance that transformation. Oh, yeah. And and you're exactly right. People will leave. I mean, I have people that write me like, I follow you for sewing and quilting, not for gardening. Okay, then don't. You know, like, <laughs> I garden. <laughs> I grow food. You know, I'm trying to teach my kids. Like, what do you want me to do? This is what I did this week, and this is what I'm going to post about. <laughs> so that's what I do. And people, I mean, I'm kind of all over the place, but at the same time, I feel like it inspires people to be like, she does so much and still, like, is having fun is raising her kids. She enjoys it. And it's kind of, you know, people write me, they're just like, oh my God, I just, I did this today. Like I saw, or like I'll post a picture of me in the gym. You know, I've lost like 70 pounds already this past, uh, in like a year and a half. And so I'll post a picture of me at the gym and people will write me and be like, girl, I just saw your picture and I went to, I had to get up and go to the gym. You know, just like whatever it is that you're doing, that has nothing to do with sewing and quilting, but that's what I'm doing. And, and I feel like in social media and especially as bloggers, like people follow us, especially if they see you in some type of video, like they do us. You know, they see you on camera. They know your voice, your personality. It's like they're attracted to you as a person. So like you said, those people that will follow you and would love to see you evolve and see like what changes you made in your life, those people are genuinely happy, proud of you. They're happy for you. Um, and those are the, I mean, the loyal followers that are going to keep going with you regardless of what route you decide to take, you know. That's true. It's such a weird, it's such a weird uh balancing act I know I keep saying that over and over but I think I'm in the midst of trying to find what that point is so I'm on, I'm on a journey cool journey I'm exploring yes anyway <laughs> um well we've been talking for about an hour so we should probably get to wrapping up but mom you've been so very silent well because I found this very interesting if are I you sure up, it's probably it, because I'm bored 
Or I should be here checking my email. I was going to say, or you (laughs) fell asleep. I'm on Twitter. No, actually, I was uh, thinking, this happens to Julian. I'll bet it happens to you too, Vanessa, that people feel they know you because they're regular readers. (laughs) And so it's... It's almost like how people used to feel they knew the actors on soap mm-hmm. operas personally. And so do they come up to you and yeah. act as if they've already they've been your pal forever? Is it kind oh. of that funny relationship? Oh, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Actually, I just posted about this the other day on my Facebook page. I was at a supermarket with my kids and some lady just like is staring at me. She's just like hardcore, just like this face. And I'm like, looking at her like hello can I help you you know then she just starts staring at my kids and she's like standing right in the middle of the way and I can't get through the aisle and I'm like already annoyed you know and she's all of a sudden like are you the crafty Gemini and I'm like yeah she's like oh my god you look different in person and I don't want to say nothing (laughs) but I'm like it's because of the face I've been giving you that's not my on-camera face you know (laughs) but I was like hi um, excuse me can I get through too you know I got errands to run too you know but people will come up to me we had like like a 50, 60 year old man come up to us one day in the store. And a lot of times when people stop me, if I'm with my kids, they recognize my kids first. Uh-huh. You know, because they're these little brown kids with big, curly, poofy fros. So if they see them, they're like, oh, I, you could spot those kids anywhere if you saw a picture of them. So they'll come up to me. This guy's like, hey, I know those kids. Are you the crafty Gemini? <laughs> or like, hi. And my friends are like, my son's like, are you a camera friend? He calls them camera friends. Because he'll say, hi, camera friends to the camera because he's talking to the yeah. audience. You know? So he's like, are you a camera friend? And the guy's like, yeah, man, I watch all your videos. You know, like random people. They come up to you and they'll tell you like, oh, Allie, you're getting so big. And I'm like, well, how do you know my kid's name? But then it's like, wait a minute. I put my whole life on the internet, you know? It's really weird. But you just smile and be courteous. And I would say very hello. flattering for that you're in their brains. You oh, know? yeah. No, they know you because, I mean, on social media, especially, you know, the Facebook, the Instagrams, it's like every little post. Like my daughter made a little My Little Pony out of polymer clay today. Post a picture, you know? They'll say stuff like, I remember you when you when you did the video showing her to us, like when she was three days old, telling guys like, hey, I had a baby. I'm taking a break. You know, they're like, she's I can't believe she's three already. You know, like how family would tell you, oh, my mm-hmm. God, you're getting so mm-hmm. big. <laughs> can't believe she's three already. And I'm like, you've been around that long, too. Cool. <laughs> well, I will say people recognize my mother before they recognize me almost. Always. Don't, yes, but I'm oh Julie's God, mom. That's awesome. Yeah, that's say, awesome. Were you Julie's mom? Mom. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Well, you have a, you have a big fan club of your own, mom. You know that. Really? You do, because literally, I, I would say half the comments on the podcast are always, "Eileen is awesome," which she is, so it's fair. As I said mm-hmm. to you, it's very hard writing all those emails from different years. <laughs> <laughs> really an effort. Takes a lot of time to come up with all those aliases, right? That's right. Oh, there you go. Okay, so. Vanessa, why don't you tell people where people can find you online if they're looking for you? Sure. You can check me out on my website. It's uh, craftygemini.com. And then you can also do a search for me on YouTube for all my YouTube videos. I have almost 300 video tutorials up now. And the YouTube channel is called The Crafty Gemini. So all together, one word, The Crafty Gemini. And mom, is there any parting wisdom you would like to give? No, but I'm not waiting by the phone anymore for you to call. I've decided I'll get a gerbil or a hamster and get all the affection that I'm not getting from you. You know, this is very sad. You know, Mom and I are about to go on the road trip to New Hampshire on Thursday. We're going to – she's coming with me on a teaching gig, and then we're going to hit up some outlet malls and hang out and have some girl time. So this is all a lie. I just want you to know. (laughs) Watch for our adventures on Instagram. There will sure to be some hijinks or at least some tongues out – 
and lots of good food. Anyway, okay, so as always, you can find me at ballsordesigns.typepad.com and do leave us your comments or questions at ballsordesigns.com backslash arting, A-R-T-I-N-G. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag pound arting podcast, all one word. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.